Blog Talk Radio. Blog Talk Radio. Franchise interviews from Easton, Pennsylvania to Sydney, Australia. You're listening to Franchise Interviews. Franchise Interviews. Welcome to Franchise Interviews, an up-close, behind-the-scenes look at franchising and entrepreneurship. Listen to interviews with franchisers, franchisees, franchise authors, franchise experts, and attorneys. And now, welcome your host, Marty McDermott, and Franchise Interviews. Hi, everyone, and welcome to a very special edition of Franchise Interviews, where for over 16 years now, we've been asking the entrepreneurs one-on-one. I'm your host, Marty McDermott. I'm the president of Franchise Interviews, and we have a great show. Well, last month, we met with Chad Harrison, Franchise Development Representative at Authority Brands, and Michael Hutchins, Franchise Development Manager at Authority Brands. And Authority Brands is headquartered in Columbia, Maryland, and is the parent company of several leading home service companies. And over the years, Franchise Interviews has interviewed many of the franchise for authority brands. So today what we're going to do is something a little bit different. We're going to play clips from some of those interviews that we've done over the years and kind of tell the story of each brand. And some of those brands include Screenmobile, and Screenmobile provides the best selection of screen-related services and products right to your door. we got Monster Tree Service, and Monster Tree Service employs professional arborists committed to healthy trees and satisfied customers. Junk Luggers. With sustainable, disposable services, you can easily discard your unwanted junk of all kinds and feel good about it. And lastly, we'll finish with America Swimming Pools, ASP, uh, commonly referred to as America Swimming Pool Company. And they provide exceptional pool maintenance, repair, and renovation. And here's a clip of our interview that we did with Chad and Michael from Authority Brands the time because the show's been running so long now at the time many of the brands that i interviewed i don't think they were under the umbrella of authority Mm. brands maybe you know either one of you gentlemen can talk about you know what's the you know maybe what are some of the advantages of of having this whole portfolio or family of brands when we're talking about uh, authority sure chad do you want to take this or would you like me to answer sure no absolutely i mean you have the power of authority brands Uh, you have Mm -hmm. You know, the, the opportunity for all of our candidates, whichever brand they have the initial interest in, uh, the opportunity to say, oh, maybe this brand isn't for me. I'd like to right. pivot. And I still love the home services, but maybe American Swimming Pool Company is more right. my style and something that fits more into my trade. So we're very fortunate in that sense. And also, specifically for one-hour heating and air, uh, you know, behind the, the power of AB Authority Brands, we put in about uh, put in about seven hundred thousand dollars into recruitment last year. So you have, wow. you know, the ability for the capital and and for the, you know, for the company to put in that assistance where need, you were needed um, to support and back up the uh, the brand. Uh, Michael, right, right, good, Michael. No, and you know those are good points. And really, I mean, um, you know, we want to own the home both inside and out. I have many franchisees that go on to add an additional trade brand, another right. one of you know our sister brands. We've already got the customer established. Now we're just going to provide additional services to that you know homeowner. Chad kind of touched on you know the purchasing power, but right. I mean we're we're almost two billion dollars strong. It translates wow. into greater discounts on the front end, rebates uh-huh. on the back end for all of our right. owners driving even greater profitability. If there's another one of our brands in a market and then we're opening up a new one hour there, we have those customers already. It helps our owners get off to a... 
Hi, everyone. Welcome back to a very special edition of Franchise Interviews, where for over three years now, we've been asking the entrepreneurs one-one. I'm your host, Marty McDermott. I'm the president of Franchise Interviews, and as we were saying earlier, we have a great show today. We're meeting with Scott Walker, the CEO of Screenmobile. And Screenmobile is the nation's largest mobile window screen repair business with over 100 franchise owners and growing. Hi, Scott. How are you? Welcome to the show. Happy. Well, thank you, Marty, and glad to be here. Thanks, Scott. It's great to have you back. You know, we like to have uh, our guests back from time to time, Scott. And I didn't realize it's been like, I think it was about four years since I last spoke to you, but it seems like yesterday, doesn't it? It does. It really does, Marty. A lot's (laughs) happened in four years. So it's great to be back, and and thanks for... Oh, Thanks. you're welcome. That's why I wanted to have you back, you know, of all the exciting changes. Um, you know, since that time, Scott, you know, we, we've had a lot of new listeners to our show, and, you know, Screamobile has had some really amazing milestones because I've been following your success. Maybe, you know, we can go back to the beginning. It was funny, Scott, because I was talking last week to my business students, and we were talking about businesses that started in the garage, and I forgot Screamobile was one of those businesses, weren't they? <laughs> Marty, how could you forget that? You know, we're, I know, we're in California, shame on me. and there's three great companies that came out of garages in California. Uh, that's right. Apple, Microsoft, and Screenmobile. So that's right. Just, that's right. You just have throwing to it out that. there. That's fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe go back to that beginning, Scott, because, you know, as I said, you know, we have so many new listeners to the show, you know, and, and I've always been impressed with, with the story of, you know, how the whole concept of Screenmobile really came about. Mm. You know, uh, Marty, we had a uh, house doctor franchise. Uh, my mm. dad, myself, and my brother started a house doctor franchise as a franchisee. And we started that, worked that for a couple years, and um, just had a hard time uh, getting along with the franchisor because the expectations of when you sign up and the reality um, were just not the same. And so we right. we said, you know what, if we ever started a franchise system, we would sure do things differently. And um, so that relationship, we both mutually kind of uh, released each other and went away, and we started uh, a Screenmobile. Now, we found out that um, in the screening industry, there was 4,000 screening companies in the United States when we started, but nobody had been really specializing in the customer's aspect of that, of offering convenience. Right. And so uh, we, we had an old tent trailer that we'd use to um, – take things to the dump when we were doing our house doctor work. And, and at the time, we built a screening table and put it in our garage in Lindora, California. And we had a call, if you know anything about the L.A. Basin, uh, traffic horrendous. So we, mm-hmm. a lady called us sure. and said, hey, I want a couple window screens 45 minutes away. And, and so we're thinking, okay, 45 minutes to go down there and measure it, 45 minutes to come back and make them, 45 minutes to go back and put them in, 45 minutes right. to come back. It just didn't make sense. So right. we took the we looked at the 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 trailer that was sitting there empty and the table and they said well let's just put the table in the trailer and we'll go do it at the same time and that was the birth of Screenmobile. I wish we were smart enough to to say hey let's put a plan together. Here's a niche right. in an industry that's not being fulfilled. Here's how it's going to. No, we didn't. That we're just two guys, three guys trying to make a living and and trying to cost do some cost savings and. Uh, that was a birth of an industry, and it worked. And the lady next door came up, and we did some screens for her, and we're like, "Wow, we're onto something here." And so then we started franchising. The mother of invention, right, Scott? I mean, it's it just, is. You know, that's really how you learn it. And I've always been a big fan, you know, because we've been doing the show such a long time now, Scott. You know, is, is the mobile businesses? You know, is really being able to 
get around the location aspect. You know, we have a lot of, uh, particularly like there's so many food franchises out there. You know, locations mm-hmm. always seems to be a problem. In retail, sometimes it, it, it's a problem, but it, you don't deal with those things, do you? You know what? Um, we don't, and it's, it's, you know, especially when our guys start up, you know, they don't have to go into a brick and mortar, and they don't have that right. expense to cover. And so they right. can start out of their garage. They can start out of a self-storage. Um, they can, you know, if they have property, they can actually build a building and, and right. you know, pay themselves uh, and use their company to pay for the building. There's all kinds of ways. But, yeah, that's a huge benefit, especially um, as they start up. And, and if we hit any type of a bump coming up the next couple of years, they'll be glad they don't have a brick and mortar to take care of. We have, um, I don't know if I told you this story last time on the show, Scott. I apologize if I did. But we have this one gentleman in eastern Pennsylvania, and I swear he must fix everyone's screen in this area. But he must be, he must be approaching his 90s. And you know, the problem <laughs> yeah. is yeah. It, just, it takes so long to get your yep. screen back. You know? and, and you know, Screenmobile really, it, I, I mean, it, it solves a problem in, in the marketplace. As, as you're meeting with newer prospective franchisees, if you were like at a franchise show, uh, how do you typically describe the concept to, to uh, a prospective franchisee? Yeah, you know, it's really interesting, Marty. Um, in the screening world, when, when I explain that, and I'll explain it in just a second, when I explain it, they come with the preconceived uh, notion that all we do is window screens. And right. so in their mind, they're thinking, okay, how many window screens do I have in my house, and what do you do? You rescreen and replace them? And so that's kind of the, the basis where we get most of our people. And so what we explain to them is that we have a system, and that system we're going to teach you the, how to measure, manufacture, and install window doors, porch, and patio screens. But more than that, we're going to teach you the cornerstones of what makes Screenmobile successful. What are the building blocks that have been around for th- over 36 years that we sit on that makes us who we are and makes us uh, successful? And uh, so we tell them that we do, you know, from your window screen. So we start them thinking about window screens. But then do you have a front door? They're like, yes. Well, do you have a door covering on that? What kind of covering? And you say, well, we cover it with a retractable door, a screen door, a storm door, a security door, an aluminum security door, a stainless steel security door, or a retractable door where you don't even see it. They're like, well, I, I didn't know that. And then you have a back porch. They're like, well, yeah. Do you have mosquitoes where you live? Oh, yeah, we got lots of them. So you have a, you know, and then you start going through all the different porch options where we can just rescreen right. them, we can restaple them, we can make two by two, we can make a uh, weather um, resistant, we can make it a three seasons room. You know, what do you want to do with that? And and then you start talking about, you know, I don't want it there, I just like it out of the way. So we talk about rolling and motorized and hooking up to your home automation with different types of screens, and um, and then then you start, then they then their eyes start to open up, going, oh my gosh, right. I had no idea. And they're, you're like, yeah, so here's how we work. Is any place somebody wants a screen made, we can do that. So we're a mobile right. concept. You know, that's, that's, that's one of those cornerstones. And they're like, so what kind of screens do you need made? What do your neighbors right. need made? And we'll come right there. And the other cornerstone is convenience. I mean, I, you know, anytime you can do uh, a business with somebody and it's easy and convenient, that's that's one of the big cornerstones of success. Just making it real simple, real easy. 
um, to do business with. And how much easier, you know, Marty, you and I are talking, if I needed uh, a plumber to come out, I can call him up, he'll right. show up, he'll take care of it, and be gone. Well, in right. the screening industry, there's nobody that really does that. Right, exactly. Uh, because, because they have a shop located mm-hmm. in some brick and mortar. And so what we said, well, let's take our shop and locate it on a trailer. And so one of our core cornerstones that we build our company on is we're, we're a mobile. We're a mobile concept. And we will come out and we'll bring our product to them and we'll measure, manufacture, and install their window, doors, porches, patio screens right at the job site. Um, and then the fourth thing that we found um, that's one of our cornerstones is the, um, the marketing ability of the truck and trailer. Oh, my gosh, Mario, right. over the 36 right. years, when that truck yeah. and trailer pulls, uh, pulls up, it's like an event. They, they just of love course. it. I mean, look at them. And, and, they're, and they, it builds credibility because they're doing it right in your front yard or in your, right in your driveway. Or they're making these screens right there. They're going to be perfect. Oh, man, it it's works a, it's really well. It's a moving well. billboard, isn't it, Scott? Oh, my gosh. And we've, we've actually hired a company about 10 years ago uh, to brand us correctly. And so uh, we met with him. We did a brand positioning workshop, and he says, this is what you need to be telling your customers. And this is, how, this is who your customers are. This is you need to be telling them, and, and we've done that. And, oh, my gosh, um, it works really well. That's fantastic. Last time I, I talked to you, Scott, you just hit the, I think it was like the, you just served like your one millionth customer. Um, it, for, you've been doing this now. I think it's like it was a 36 years. You have over 100 franchisees. Th- those are significant numbers. You know, as I mentioned, you know, doing the show a long time, we, I, I find it rare that we have you know franchises that have been in business this long and have over 100 plus franchisees. Th- those numbers are, are significant. What, what is all of it attributed to? You know, um, Marty, I, I, I think a lot of the growth um, is making sure that our franchisees are healthy. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody in the in the right. franchising world, most franchisors, they, they look at health and sales, and they equate right. those. If the right. guys are doing great in sales, they've got to be healthy. And, and are, right. are they really being uh, productive and they're getting the results that they want? Well, there's another column on that, and is is the franchisee being a good steward of his money, and is he running a business so it's a healthy business, making some good healthy decisions? And so what we've learned over the 36 years of doing this is there's more than just helping somebody understand how to make screens. It's helping them understand how to make good business decisions for the long game right. so that they can be around for a long time in our system. You know, we have it it's 10 years in our system. And uh just that's how long one license goes for. And so we right. want to make sure that they're they get up, they get on their feet and they start making some good business decisions um that maybe are a little hard to make now, but they'll they'll pay off in the long run and make them a healthier business owner in their franchise. And, and so, I know your renewal you know, rates are been, really high too, aren't they, Scott? You know, I looked at that. I, I saw all these different numbers and all these different accolades that Screenmobile's had over the years, and it's just it's 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 very impressive, isn't it? You know, um, you, when you look at that, uh, I ask the question: Is why? Right. Why why are why are these guys renewing? And um, you know, I would I would love to say because they love Screenmobile family, they love the the way the corporate offices run. They love everything about it. Now they're making money. <laughs> this is right. their reality. It's it, it, you know, 
it's great. That's the extra benefit if they like us sure. and we get along and we can work well together. You know, that's part of how franchising works. Um, but more than anything, they renew because they make they make good money. How you know technology seems to be moving so fast today, Scott? I mean, how's Screenmobile using technology today as opposed to you know maybe five to ten years ago? Mm, great question. You know, um, we. We have gone along with the trend of hopefully most other service companies to embrace technology and find a uh, operating system that works for you. And so we right. we got a team of franchisees together about six seven years ago and looked at about 200 different operating systems. And here's the requirement stock. And so each of you go look at five or ten of these, see what you like, what you don't like. And we kind of focused in on one. Um, service provider that does a great job with our system and so now that's that's what we use um, and it's and it works great on your phones on your tablet and um, and and so now our guys one of the requirements they have to have a smartphone they also and when we when they come through training we actually get them a tablet so they train right off their tablet and so they learn from the very beginning that this is how you operate a service business. You know, there's so many service. You know, when I was doing service work, and we started, it was all, and you'd write it down on a, a, a calendar, and then you'd write right. out a paper ticket. Um, and those days are there are still guys out there doing that. I mean, there's still service-based right. companies doing that. But 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 what we do is, you know, you can email the customer an invoice, you can email a quote, you can send them before and after pictures. Um, and, and they're happy to receive that, and it just makes it really easy for my franchisees um, to do it from a technology um, standpoint. The, the only thing that I found with technology is you're still dealing with people. Sure. So right. it's people in people's homes. So te- you can have all the technology you want, but you can't miss the customer service part of it because that's kind of the – the you know the the cornerstone of wh- what's been successful and what continue to be successful. You you can't have technology s- step in front of somebody. You can have them help them, but you can't. Franchise interviews from Eastern Pennsylvania to Sydney, Australia. You're listening to franchise interviews. Franchise interviews. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to a very special edition of Franchise Interviews, where for over years we've been asking the franchipreneurs one-on-one. I'm your host, Marty McDermott, and I'm the president of Franchise Interviews. And as we were saying earlier, we have a great show today. We're meeting with Josh Skolnick, who is the founder of the Monster Tree Service Franchise Opportunity. And Monster Tree Service is a professional tree restoration, pruning, and removal service founded in Fort Washington, Pennsylvania. Hey, Josh, how you doing? Welcome to the show this morning. I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing well, Josh. Thanks for coming on the show. We, uh, we're excited to have you on the show for a couple of reasons. One, I don't think we've ever had this category. We've been doing the show almost six years now, and we haven't had your category on the show or your industry, so we're excited about that. And Also, uh, you're from Pennsylvania, so uh, <laughs> there's a couple of different reasons. You know, are you calling from Pennsylvania this morning, Josh? Yes, I am. Okay, fantastic. And You have, uh, you know, I was reading before the show, your, your, your biography. I mean, it almost seems like you were a, a born entrepreneur or destined for entrepreneurship. Could you want to talk like a little bit about you know what you were doing before, um, I guess you could say, starting Monster Tree Service? Yeah, at an early age, about 13 years old, I started out in the landscape industry. Um, mm. Grew up in a neighborhood where it was primarily uh, elderly people, so started right. in the wintertime uh, really shoveling snow for the neighbors at you know free of charge, so to say, for fresh baked cookies at the end of the winter 
to, to help them out so they can get out in, in case of an emergency right. and stuff. Uh, that kind of snowballed into uh, cutting grass for some of the people as well. Grew into a full-time business for me uh, through middle school and high school. I graduated high school with a multi-unit business but didn't want to spend the rest of my life cutting grass. So uh, I chose to move into another direction into uh, the mulch blowing field. I had large blower trucks installed landscape products thematically um, all over the East Coast, uh, primarily from Long Island, New York, down to northern, northern Virginia. Uh, spent a lot of time living out of hotels doing that, working around the clock, and you know, saw the economy starting to crash. And had a lot of my existing landscape, landscape customers who still continued to contact me even after the sale of my landscape business in 2007. Mm-hmm. Um, that would contact me to find out, you know, Josh, do you have someone who can clean my gutters, power wash my deck, do right. you know, seal coating up my driveway, uh, do my trees. And so uh, in the spring of 2008, I had a customer who was calling me, and he had a dead elm tree, and unfortunately he couldn't get anybody to cut it down nor find a professional company to come out and actually show up for the estimate and give him a respectable price to do it. So. He called me and says, Josh, I'm getting a little frustrated. What, what can you do to help me out? I said, you know, give me right. a few days, Dave, and I'll get back with you and see what I can do. Well, I called one of my subcontractors that when I was in the landscape business, I would sub out my, my tree work to and right. said, what would, you charge me, what would you charge me to give me a tree climber for the day? He says, you know what, Josh? He goes, you know, give me, give me $250. Said, okay, no problem, deal. Called Dave back and said, listen, I can get the tree down for you for $2,500. Go so out there with one of my dump trucks, rented a chipper, um, next thing you know, the tree climber says, I need this, I need that. Went out and bought him the proper equipment to get through it. And the funniest part about the whole story was we showed up to cut down a tree that was about four-foot diameter at the base with an 18-inch still chainsaw. So the climber looks at me and goes, Josh, I'm not getting through that tree with that saw. I need this, I need that. So I went out and I got right. it for him. The best part of the whole story is while the crew's working on taking down the tree, I'm walking up and down the street. People are coming out. Hey, I get a limb over my house. I get a dead tree in my backyard. I've got this tree is blocking my view getting out of my driveway. Can you right. price to cut it down? Over a four or five hour period, I sold about $20,000 worth of work up and down that street. That's amazing. I, I love stories like that, Josh. That's, <laughs> that's a great story. Very unique. So I, I had no yeah. intention of getting in the tree business. I was more or less trying to help out an existing customer of mine. It uh, turns out that because of that one job, it looked like, you know, that was Saturday, June 7th, 2008. And, you know, I looked at the guys that were there in the tree climber. I said, can you start Monday? He said, I start Monday. So it was like, he said, why? What's going on? I said, it looks like I'm in a tree business. I just sold $20,000 worth of work on the street. And he goes, I- I'm in. So from there, it, it really started to grow. Um, you know, bought a brand-new bucket truck, chippers, chip trucks, um, acquired well over a million dollars worth of equipment within a six-month time frame, um, you know, took out marketing, direct mail, uh, phone book ads, you name it, uh, just did, like, guerrilla marketing on it and was right. in the tree business. And within the first calendar year, built out uh, well, well in excess of a million dollars in services. That's fantastic. You guys provide That's a lot of different... Yeah, it, it, it's, it's, it's a great story. It's um, and you guys provide a lot of like different services too. I noticed, you know, going on the website. Um, we were just recently at the uh, franchise show uh, at the Jacob Javits Center, and you know, I noticed when a lot of people they come up to a, a, a booth, they, they say, "So, what do you guys do? How do you typically respond to someone if they were to come up to your booth and say, "So, what do you guys do, Josh? Where do you go from there?" So, what do we do? We teach people how to make money. <laughs> And, good. you know, the That's number good. one thing I say, I say to people is, you know, what, what, what brings you here to the show? Obviously, you want to go into business for yourself. And number one reason why you want to go into your business for yourself is because you want that financial independence. 
Well, what we offer is not necessarily the sexiest business, but what we offer is an executive model within a very profitable industry. Unfortunately, we're in a business where there's that lacks true professionals, and that's what Monster Tree Service offers. You know, state of the art um, system with unparalleled customer service and professionalism, and we break that down and we teach the people how they can operate a business and employ and execute a company that is, is probably one of the most profitable industries you could truly be in on ex- as, when it comes to exterior maintenance. So when you break that down for somebody and you show them that we've got a national hiring program to really pair them with the arborists to do the sales for them, the tree climbers to do the climbing work, and we're teaching them how to be an executive and run their business in a profitable fashion, acquire the right equipment, stagger and stage the crews appropriately and schedule the work in a, in a profitable manner, you know, it becomes very appealing to people. Uh, one thing that we also have um, that, as you probably know from the franchise community, uh, is an item 19 within our FDD. Uh, right. A lot of companies don't do that because, you know, they right. have weak financial performances, and we, we right. don't. So we find that at the trade shows, people come up to us and they go, tree service. Why do I want to go into the tree service? And they leave and go and scan my badge. I want to talk to you ASAP. Right. This interests me a lot. Um, so when they see that item 19, that, that doesn't lie that this is a profitable industry. Absolutely. Yeah, no, I, I think that's that's important. You're right. Most franchisors do not list that item 19, so I, I think that's fantastic. In addition, you know, when I was reading about you guys, too, it sounds like in addition to, you know, buying a business that, that is very profitable and makes money, it sounds like you spent a lot of time systematizing this particular business, you know. I mean, from that moment that you discovered this this niche or this need in the market, it sounds like you spent several years, I guess you could say, systematizing this business as well, would you say? Absolutely, and I and I get questioned by my employees a lot of times when I stop by job sites. Why are you here? You know we know what we're doing. And I say, and I explain yeah. to my guys, the reason why I'm here on this job site is not to babysit you right. or to teach you how to do your job, but it's really to study what you guys are doing and find a more um, effective approach to the way that we do it. And that's why with certain pieces of equipment that I've acquired over the years, the four years I've been doing this, um, that's because I've, I've studied and watched what the guys are doing and, and look at things and go, that's not efficient. There's got to be a better way. And right. even though I feel just I'm um, to the point where I've got the most efficient way, and I hear from a lot of guys that have 15, 20, 25 years' experience in the industry that come to work for me and say, I've never seen a system like what you have. I still feel like there's a better way, and I, I will consistently strive to try to find that and continually right. to continue to evaluate and study the industry that I'm in. Um, you know, I, I never get with the attitude that we're too good for this and, and mm-hmm. we figured it out because there's always a better way to do it. And, you know, one big thing that I talk to the fran- potential franchisees about is, can you do this on your own? Absolutely, you can do this on your own. But one thing I'm going to point out to you that's very important, while we all go into business, it's for the money. And you can spend the next 15 to 20 years figuring out what I've tested and measured in the last four years. And by the time you figure out what I do, you will never make up the lost revenue. That's true. No, absolutely. And I like how you said there's always a better way to do it. You know, I think McDonald's, you know, has that philosophy and Subway has that philosophy. You know, I mean, the great, you know, franchisors that have like 34,000 units, you know, they're always looking to improve upon that system, you know. So I think that's uh, that's so important. I'm looking out my window right now. I'm, I'm also in Pennsylvania, Josh. I'm in eastern Pennsylvania, and I'm looking at, you know, thousands and thousands of trees. It, it sounds to me like, I mean, I'm imagining that this is a pretty big market or a pretty big um, industry, would you say? 
It's a $2.9 billion industry annually. Wow. That's amazing. I mean, it's, it's such a huge market. And, you know, I had a friend who, you know, when I first got into Internet radio, I became really good friends with a gentleman. His name was Ken Six, and he had this show called Arbor Talk. You know, it was talking about trees and things like that. And, you know, he always mentioned to me that, you know, it was always – People have trouble finding people like yourself to, you know, help them <laughs> with their trees, you know. So there's just not... I mean, arboriculture is, arboriculture is something that people choose as a career path. And unfortunately, there's very few professional yes. companies out there that can truly offer them that career that they, can build, that they can build upon. And I can count on one hand the names of the companies across the U.S. that, yeah. are, that are out there that are national firms. But when it comes to... You know, small business and mom and pops, it's it's just about the smash and grab. It's, you know, get out there, make our money, get done, and get home. And, you know, they're constantly rollover of employees. And, yeah. you know, they promise their Franchise interviews from Easton, Pennsylvania to Sydney, Australia. You're listening to Franchise Interviews. Franchise Interviews. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to a very special edition of Franchise Interviews, where for now we've been asking the franchise owners of one one. I'm your host, Marty McDermott. I'm the president of Franchise Interviews. And as we were saying earlier, we have a great show today. We're meeting with the CEO of Junk Luggers, Josh Cohen. And since 2004, the Junk Luggers has been offering an environmentally friendly alternative to traditional junk removal. Hey, Josh, how you doing? Welcome to the show. Marty, thanks for having me. Uh, it's my pleasure, Josh. We would like to ask our guests where you're calling from this morning, Josh. New York City. That's fantastic. Of course, one of my favorite places. I was born in New York, and uh, so I don't even have to ask you how the weather is there today because I'm in Pennsylvania. We're about 70 miles uh, west of, of the city, so that's fantastic. Um, this is, you know, when I was reading about your story, Josh, I was fascinated for, for many different reasons, but, you know, maybe you could talk or describe the history of junk luggers. Yeah, sure. So um, the whole thing started in 2004 uh, using my mom's Dodge Durango. And I got the idea while I was studying abroad in Australia. A friend said he made $100 hauling away a neighbor's refrigerator. And I thought that was a great idea. Right. I was only making, yeah, I think, minimum wage at my internship that I had planned for that summer. So sure. went home, printed out some homemade flyers on my parents' computer, and just started going around town, handing them out. It's, I mean, it is. It's fantastic. You know, it, it's, it's, it, did your education help you, I mean, in, in coming up with this whole concept as well, um, Josh, while you were studying abroad? I'd like to say yes. I think my parents would really like me to say yes. Sure, sure, of course. <laughs> um, and I think it, it gave some some good foundation. I went to business school, but uh, I, I really do believe most of the learning was, you know, kind of on the ground as you as we went. That's fantastic. And you know, of course, you know, being your, you know your mom was a part of that whole thing in the beginning too. You know, I mean, it's always you know we love these stories, having these you know these kind of stories on the show. You know, so it's very interesting. Maybe you could talk a little bit about junk luggers as you know a franchise. Like if you were at um, a franchise show, Josh, and someone came up to your booth and they said, "Okay, so what do you guys do?" How do you typically respond to the question? Yeah, I mean, in general, junk removal it's a service that everyone needs at some point in their life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, you know, rather than dealing with the daunting, kind of backbreaking task of removing generally bulky, heavy, unwanted things like sofas or construction right. debris, you know, people would rather just pay us to take care of all the work for them. And so that's what we do when we provide a extremely customer-friendly and customer-centric approach to it from the time they give us a call all the way until we sweep up when the job's complete. 
That's fantastic. And you guys do it a little different, too, because, you know, I mean, there's a lot involved in um, donating um, a lot of the items, I guess, to, like, charities. Um, How does that work, Josh? Yeah, so that's a huge part of our business. In general, our our company mission is to keep as many items out of the landfills through donating and recycling. We have this big, hairy, audacious goal of uh, having 0% end up in landfills by 2020. Wow. So one of the main ways we do that is by taking a lot of these things that we haul away that are generally you know, still in decent enough shape for someone to use, and we donate them to local charities and donation centers. That's fantastic. I, I mean, I think that's just great. It's a fantastic goal you know, that, that, of course, you've set for the company. So I, I think that's great. How do you use technology in your business? Or is, is technology even used um, in, in this type of business, Josh? Definitely. I mean, I'm 31, and I started the business when I was 21, so I guess I, I feel like I grew up in the technology era uh-huh. in, in yeah. a way, um, and I saw the benefits of it. So, you know, um, we've developed our own customized uh, cloud-based software management system. Okay. Uh, there's We also have an app that our guys in the field can use, and, and basically it's a way to manage all of the daily operations and scheduling and reporting and do it in an efficient and real-time way. That's fantastic. This, um, you're in a pretty big industry too, Josh. I mean, you're right. You know, at some point, you know, everyone has to remove junk, you know, for, from their home. And, and, you know, my wife and I were recently talking the other day saying that, you know, I, I think we're ready for that. You know, we've been in our home now for nine years. So, um, the market is pretty big. I mean, are there any numbers as far as how big your industry is? It seems like, to me, this industry gets bigger every year. I mean, my hunch is that there's growth in this industry. I mean, we've been growing steadily for the past 10 years. Even through the recession, we, we continue to grow. And I think that's because, you know, people are getting a stronger awareness that this type of industry and service is yeah. out there. That's true. And also there's just unlimited potential because everyone, business or, per, or, or personal, um, they have stuff that they need to get rid of. So, you know, we've done some studies. We, we, it looks like a, there's a projected 5% annual growth expected through 2020, wow. and we see this industry um, kind of maxing out around $1.4 billion, and we're not even close to that as an industry right now. Right, right. I remember as a, as, as a kid, I grew up in, in Sayreville, New Jersey, Josh, and I remember my father, we had this big old station wagon, and we'd literally drive to a, a, a junkyard. It was almost like a landfill, you know, we'd have uh-huh. to in the back, and you'd pay the guy some, you know, you give him a $10, I don't even know how much he gave him at the time, and you just threw everything out, you know, in the junkyard. So it, it's, it's interesting how things have changed today, and of course our society has become more um, environmentally conscious, you know. So I, I've, I've been a, a fan of this, this, your business and this industry for, for a long time now, so I think it's fantastic. But what's been the most interesting thing that's happened to you um, since launching uh, Junk Luggers? <laughs> Tough the question most for our interesting. guests. <laughs> Definitely. Um, what, do you, what do you mean exactly? Well, is there anything that stands out? I mean, in your particular business, I mean, you must have, you know, if I was sitting down having a cup of coffee with you, I bet you'd have some fantastic stories. Um, you know, does, does anything stand out? I, I mean, you started this, this business at, at a pretty young age. You know, we've had a lot of guests on the show, and, and, and I think you were probably one of the youngest as far as starting it at the time. So the, any stories that stand out? Hmm. 
Well, I mean, I think, you know, what I've learned is we've grown the business, and at this point we're, we're at about $3 million company or system-wide. We have about wow. 60 employees system-wide. Um, and we're just we're just getting started, by the way. Um, but a, a, a lot of the most interesting experiences, I would say, have come around just managing people and managing customer mm-hmm. experiences. Mm-hmm. And I've certainly found early on that uh, the, the better we're able to kind of treat people and support them on our team, especially, uh, the right. better they're going to help help grow the company and just make it an enjoyable place to come to work. Um, so I think. I don't know if I can think of one, uh, and I'm sure as soon as we hang up, I will. But one <laughs> very interesting of them, yeah, yeah. But it, that was, I would say, one of the biggest learning curves in, in growing a business, especially starting at such a young age. Yeah, it's very. I think it's very powerful what you just said, Josh. You know, and I'm going to actually have. Um, I, I teach for Catholic University, and I'm going to have my business students listen to that statement that that you just said because you know it is very important, isn't it? You know, is of course finding the right people, you know, to work with and and, and things like that. And it's it's not always um, uh, so easy, is it? You know, so um, I, I especially think when you don't terrific. have any money. <laughs> Especially when you don't have any money, absolutely, absolutely. You know, and again, I just love the story of you know how you started with, you really totally grassroots. You know, with what sound like some basic flyers. Do you still have copies of those flyers? By the way, those very first flyers. Yes, I that do. You, that's I that's do. fantastic. I mean, that's historic. You know, really, I, I think you should <laughs> save those because someone's going to be asking for you uh, one day. You know, to, to to take a look at those. So I think that's that's great. You're listening to franchise interviews, and we're speaking with the CEO of Junk Luggers, Josh Cohen. And so what types of let's get to franchising Josh what types of characteristics um will you look for in your franchisees Yeah that's a great question um and we've spent a lot of time really thinking about that and discussing it internally because one of the biggest things I I learned and heard over and over when when learning about the the franchise mm-hmm. industry is the better your franchisees and the better relationships you have with them the more successful the franchise system is overall mm-hmm. Yeah so, you know, in thinking about that, the top thing that we look for in choosing our new franchisees is are they a right culture fit for us and our company? Can we get along with them when we're talking to them, you know, every day or every week when we're on the phone and will we be able to see eye to eye? Um, so number one is, is, is definitely culture and, and we're not asking, we're not looking for necessarily people to be the same as us. I know nobody's right. the same. Sure, sure. But people you, you feel comfortable going out and getting a beer with and, and having a candid conversation. Um, other than that, we're looking for people who've got fire in their belly. You know, understand yeah. that as a franchise system, you still got to go out there and build brand awareness locally. Um, and then beyond that, obviously, you know, one of the things we put as, as last but, but not least necessarily is, is are they financially capable? Sure, absolutely. Uh, so we certainly don't want people, you know, investing their life savings and then right. uh, and, and then losing it because they just can't invest a little bit more if that's what it needs for for this or that. Of course, no, absolutely. I, I, I think that's well said. Once you decide, you know, that that you like them, Josh, and then they like you. I mean, how does it typically work when they want to go forward? Um, I mean, how's the training work? I mean, do they come to New York? Is that where the training would take place? It is. I mean, before we get we we get to training, what we do, we have a pretty um, in-depth screening process. Uh-huh. Uh, we really want to get to know the people that we're bringing on our team because they are very they're ten-year contracts, so long-term relationships. Sure, of course. Once they get through that process, what we do is. 
franchise interviews. From Easton, Pennsylvania to Sydney, Australia, you're listening to Franchise Interviews. Franchise Interviews. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to Franchise Interviews, where we're asking the franchisepreneurs one one. I'm your host, Marty McDermott, with my co-host, Don Johnson. And if you ever dream of owning your own business, then you've come to the right place. And as we were saying earlier, Don, we have a great show today uh, because we are meeting with Stuart Burden of America's Swimming Pool Company. At America's Swimming Pool Company, the Southeast's most respected swimming pool maintenance and repair franchise, was established in 2001 by Stuart Burden. Hey, Stuart, how you doing today? Welcome to the show. Hi, Stuart, how you doing? Good, how are y'all? Good, thank you. So joining us is my co-host, Don Johnson, and I know, Don, you wanted to say uh, good morning to Stuart. Thanks for coming on, Stuart. We appreciate it. We're excited to hear about uh, your franchise, which we've uh, never had your type of franchise on before, so welcome to the show. Great. Thank you very much for having me. We, uh, we're fans of the show and, and looking forward to being here today, so thank you. Great. Uh, thanks, Stuart. So I would like to ask our guests where you're calling from this morning to get an idea what the weather is there. Uh, we are in Macon, Georgia, which is about one hour south of the Atlanta airport, about an hour south of Atlanta. Okay, good. That's good. And you have an interesting story. What were you doing uh, before you found an America's Swimming Pool Company, and, and why did you decide to enter this industry, Stuart? You know, in 2001, I was actually graduating from college uh, in South Carolina, College of Charleston, and um, I, I had grown up basically being a serial entrepreneur and knew that mm. I didn't know exactly what I wanted to do or how I was going to do it, but I knew that, you know, con- controlling my own destiny, starting my own business, that sort of uh, that sort of general premise was, was what I was looking to do. So uh, it was upon graduating from college and exploring a couple of different industries that uh, I literally stumbled upon the, the swimming pool industry, um, primarily looking at moving back to my hometown of, of Macon, Georgia. Mm-hmm. I found a fragmented market that I felt like we could enter and, and provide better service than our competition. Uh, is this something, Stuart, you feel that can be nationwide? I know Marty and I were here up in the Northeast where the season for warm weather is obviously smaller. I'm, you know, My family has a pool. There's pools all over the place. I imagine you can sure. really uh, do well up around here. Maybe talk about that and just tell us uh, basically what uh, your franchise do and how your franchisees are making money. Sure. Yeah. Good question. It's um, you know it's an interesting it's an interesting question over the evolution to look back and say well is is this something that you know in the initial phases of the company uh, we we had not planned on franchising that was not originally part of my business model or our growth model um, originally um, identified the business model to work in the founding location um, but once we began to franchise and we we took our opportunity into a neighboring city and into a neighboring state, the same concepts reign true. Every market that we entered early on back in 2005 and, and still reign true to this day as we enter a market, we find that whether it's in Georgia, Florida, South Carolina, uh, upwards of Tennessee, North Carolina, as we have moved further north even, um, the markets that we're entering consistently are needing you know a higher level of service, uh, the professionalism that our concept concept is built around, um, and the programs that we've established and, and put in place have worked you know, market after market. So uh, to, to answer your question specifically, yes, as we've looked further north, it's interesting. The pool business uh, revenue holds true as you move further north, even though the seasonality 
cuts in. Right. So you find that the revenue almost follows the trend of the, of the temperature in the given market. So whatever you pay, Marty, for a swimming pool service in, in the northeastern part of the country or repair right. work or renovation work is higher than regions further south. So it, it is a market that's able to be entered into and, and uh, played upon for sure. Yeah, it's a great uh, well, service, too, Stuart. I, I, I was going to say, Don, I, I remember, and, and you know this, Don, because I know your family has a pool. I remember my, my father-in-law just, um, uh, they, they sold their house several years ago, and it, just because it was so much work to take care of their pool, and he just right. had it, you know. It, it's just so, I mean, it really is. It, it's, I was looking into what you guys do. I mean, it, it, it's a wonderful and important service, I think, you know. So um, I, I, I think it's great what you guys are doing. Well, we appreciate it, and that's kind of what the what the business is based around. Is that you know there are there are several consumers out there that we deal with. If mm-hmm. if you've got a swimming pool, um, you you are either going to maintain the pool yourself on a weekly basis, right. but you are going to need a swimming pool company uh, in some form or fashion, no, no matter what. You know whether it be when right. the pump goes out or the deck exactly. cracks. You know even if you're taking care of that water yourself, we're able to offer mm-hmm. our other two thirds of our services. To, the, to that same homeowner, or we're the one-stop shop to the homeowner that says, you know what, I'm tired of dealing with it, I'm tired of turning it green right. every other week, y'all deal with it. Exactly. And that's where we come in yeah. for the full service. Yeah. So you said, Stuart, you also, uh, uh, you also build and, and put in the pools as well, right? We do, we do everything but new construction. So we, we actually, our renovation is a big part of our franchisee's business, where meaning, you know, an existing pool that's 10 or 12 years old, which is the average lifespan of a pool before it needs mm-hmm. work. It needs a facelift. Right. So we'll, we'll take it all the way down to the foundation and rebuild it. Um, but our, our focus is not in new construction. And, you know, thank, thank goodness, frankly, um, the pool construction industry over the past two years has followed the same trends as the housing and home construction industry. So right. Right. Um, yeah. fortunate that we decided to stick to our, our original plan and our grassroots during the housing boom, and we did not get into pool construction. So how do you, Stuart, describe uh, um, America's Swimming Pool Company to a franchisee prospect and investor? I mean, uh, uh, you know, tell us a little bit about that, please. Sure. Um, when someone is looking at our brand, at our company, you know, we're, we're, we're appealing to a franchisee or an individual that wants to own their own business. We are not looking for someone that's been in the pool business for 10 years. We're not looking for someone that had to have grown up working on pools. We actually, uh, 95% of our franchise owners have the opposite. Um, they are coming to us wanting to start their own business, uh, much like as if I did, uh, much uh, as, as a lot of the other entrepreneurs in this country did, they, they want to control their own destiny and start a, a business. So when they're looking at our business, they're looking to enter a very fragmented market, and they're looking to come in for a low capital startup, so there's very low risk, low overhead, uh, high gross profit margins, and you're able to identify whatever market you're looking at. You take our general principles and our general game plan that we give a prospective franchisee in the beginning, and they very quickly, when doing their due diligence, can see exactly what it is we would do in that market, which is providing a higher quality service, uh, a, a recognizable brand that doesn't exist in their market, and we're frankly boils down to we're able to do it significantly better than the next guy. And that has evolved and become even truer today even than it was three and four years ago. Our, our buying power has significantly increased, our brand has increased, and the practices 
uh, that we implement on our franchisees have grown over time. So that's, that's what we're able to do when we, uh, when we enter a new market or when a franchisee is looking at a new market. They take those core principles and apply them to their own territory. Have you had uh, some, some conversions, uh, independent pool service companies uh, convert to America Swimming, or is that something you foresee happening as, as you move along? Yeah, great question. Interesting. We, we just over the past year uh, have developed um, what we call a conversion program, and we had our first conversion come on board a little over a year ago in, in Claremont, Florida. Um, a, a gentleman and his wife who were in the pool business, uh, they had done a great job, uh, very intelligent, they just knew that they needed to take their business to the next level, you know, whether it be from the marketing side of things, the name brand recognition, the website, search engine optimization, buying power. Those were the things that they felt they were lacking and they were stagnant in their market because of it. Um, so when they converted over a 12-month period of time, their sales increased 95% year over year. And wow. they dramatically changed the face and the look and the feel of their business. But at the same time, we were intentionally not allowing any other conversions. We wanted to make sure the program was, was right, it was a good fit, and it would be something we could take to a national level. And so it wasn't but about maybe two or three months ago we implemented a, an official conversion program. It's, it's on our website as well where that's going to be the idea moving forward. If, if someone's in a market and already in the business and they want to take it to the next level, that's what we're going to partner with them and allow them to achieve. Uh, that's great. Uh, we were talking yeah. about that early in segment one, Stuart, uh, you know, on, on, on regular businesses um, wanting to take it to the next level, and they were only able to accomplish that through franchising, you know, so it, it's a great example that, um, that you just referenced. You know, it is, especially in some of these markets that are primarily in the service-based market, retail-based market, uh, you know, the non-restaurant segment especially is just is really primed if a, a good franchising system uh, has that conversion. If it's set up right, mm -hmm. and, and, right. and why we wanted to study it, if it's set up right, you know, it really can be a, a truly a win-win for the franchisee and the franchisor, and, and, and that's really the bottom line. That's what it's all about. Any numbers on how big the industry is uh, at all, Stuart? Uh, numbers on the industry? Yes. That's yes, um, you know we're we're part of a a multi-billion-dollar recreational industry or d discretionary uh, household improvement industry. When we talk about renovating pools, um, specifically, we deal in an industry, the swimming pool industry, that's made up of uh, approximately nine million residential swimming pools in the country. And you know, it's, it's an industry that interestingly di virtually didn't exist even 15 or 20 years ago on a large level. I mean, if you, if you think about it, the number of swimming pools grows exponentially. So when a new swimming pool is put in, one does not die or go away. It really, the opposite is true. When, when a new swimming pool is put in, there is a swimming pool out there that is just turning 9 or 10 years old and needing renovating and repairing. So we're part of a 9 million uh, swimming pool uh, market share in the country, and um, that's, that's what we're, we're focused on. What, what, what percentage of homes is that, Stuart? You're saying 9 million total we, pools in the country? Right. We're, we're finding, and, you know, if you, if you think about what that actually means, is, is primarily is made up of, of a majority of the, of the country that would, would maintain or house a swimming pool, meaning the temperature, um, the environment would be conducive. In, in the southeast, uh, primarily the 10 states, southeastern, 
south, southwestern region, we find about one in eight homes in, in the neighborhoods that we... Franchise interviews from Eastern Pennsylvania to Sydney, Australia. You're listening to Franchise Interviews. Franchise Interviews.